Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Anybody excited about Jesus this morning? I love this place. I don't think you get that kind of response everywhere. And the altar calls are a lot easier here. You just say the altar's open and people come down because they're hungry for, for God. You know how thankful we should be for this community? Like This is a special group of people. I'm so thankful for this church family. Um, for those who I haven't met, I'm meeting new people all the time now that we're meeting together, which is awesome. I'm like, you go to church here? That's awesome. Or I'll see people out and about. I'm like, I think I saw you at church. And so it's been fun to, to meet a lot of new people. If I haven't met you, uh, my name is Curtis Carr, and my wife Libby and I, we've been a part of Outreach for about five years now. I think it'll be five years in the fall. And this community has been such a blessing and encouragement and a source of uh, healing and um, encouragement, strengthening, even destiny, you know, some things that God has called us into that weren't unlocked until we became a part of this community. So we're really thankful to be here. We've got four daughters. We've got an eight-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a seven-week-old. She'll be, yeah, two months. I think this next coming, the 12th is when she, April 12th is when she was born. So we are having a lot of fun and sometimes stressful times in the mornings or do it going places. Um, Libby's not going a whole lot of places right now with a baby on her hip and a toddler following her around. Um, but we're extremely blessed and thankful uh, for what the Lord has done in our lives. Everything that I have, I don't deserve. Like, he's been far better to me than I could ever have asked or dreamed or imagined. Anybody have that witness? Like, so today we're celebrating Pentecost, and you know Pentecost is one of the, the spring high holy days, one of the Jewish festivals that the Jews would celebrate. Um, it's called a pilgrimage feast where they would actually go to Jerusalem to offer a grain offering. You mentioned the, the harvest, the, it was a feast of harvest, celebrating the harvest. They would bring a tithe based on what they harvested and offer it to the Lord in Jerusalem. So everyone would come there. And it was in con connection to Passover. And I was thinking about you know, this past week. I, I usually spend the 50 days between Passover and Pentecost just reminding myself of what's been made available to us. I mean, you know, we're supposed to remind ourselves. You, Peter actually said there's multiple times in his letters... He said, it's not burdensome for me to remind you, you need to be reminded. And then he repeats himself over. How many of you need to be reminded in here? And I think that's the reason why the Lord instituted these feasts for the Jewish people is because he understood our human frame and he understood what we needed in our rhythms, in our calendar to stay connected to him. How many of you know Pentecost and Passover as well as the Feast of Tabernacles, which I mentioned earlier, those are not man's idea. Do you know that? These are appointments, feasts of the Lord. They're called appointments of the Lord that God originated in his own heart for humanity to come into. So this is 
God setting dates on his calendar and saying, if you want to come enter into what I have for you, come join my calendar with your calendar. Align your calendar with my calendar. And we see that it was important to the Lord because significant historical events happened on these particular days, sometimes right down to the very hour when something was happening. For example, Passover. We know Passover was celebrated for centuries before Jesus, that the Lord told the Israelites to celebrate Passover as a commemoration of what? Anybody know? The Exodus. There we go. I like the talk back here. We can do that in here. Am I, I was told I'm not supposed to step by one of these lines. Is it this one or this one? <laughs> Passover commemorates the Exodus. What? Deliverance from bondage. Freedom. Freedom from the past. This is the Passover. How many of you know, though, Jesus and the plan of redemption doesn't stop there? As miraculous and powerful as the mercy of God, that he can completely wash us clean, make us brand new. Completely deliver us from our past. Who needs to be delivered from your past? Who needs to be set free from your past? The rest of you need to be set free from lying. Come on. <laughs> we all need to be delivered from our past, from wrong mindsets. And Passover, Jesus coming and dying on the cross, the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world, who takes away the sins of the world. He died at the very hour that the Passover lamb was being slaughtered in the temple. Like the, the sovereignty of God in this. If we really, I encourage you to go examine and study the feast of the Lord, the biblical feast, and how God's prophetic and historical timeline corresponds with that. It'll give you hope and expectation. It blows my mind the, the majesty of God that he could orchestrate the affairs of humanity that Jesus could die on the cross, give up his life willingly, but yet he allows humans to be a part of that and he can do it at the exact same time that the Jews who hated Jesus were slaughtering the Passover lamb and making the prophetic statement that Jesus is the Passover lamb. Even though they didn't want to do it, they were still fulfilling the, the promise. The prophetic promise, like, like, how does God do this? But he does it over and over again. And as thankful as I am about Passover and being forgiven and being clean, like, that would be enough for me, right? If Jesus didn't do anything else but forgive me for my sin, cleanse me from unrighteousness, and set me free from my past, deliver me from bondage, that's a pretty good deal. I've done nothing to earn that. Most of what I've done in my life is, you know, embraced bondage or, or done things that, that facilitated more bondage, right? Pre-Jesus. But he didn't stop there. He said, I don't want to just forgive you and clean you. I want to give you all of myself and empower you to not just be the best version of yourself, 
I want to empower you to be like me, he says. Do we realize that? That as glorious as Passover is, it's just to prepare the way for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to make us vessels that can be pure and holy and that can contain the very Shekinah glory of God. Do you realize that's what was poured out when, the, when Pentecost came? That it was Yahweh, God the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the one in Genesis 1 who was hovering over the waters, hovering over chaos. This Spirit who's fully God, the one who was a part of speaking forth into that chaos, perfect order, peace and righteousness and life, the one who shared his breath with Adam and Eve and gave them life and connected them to the source of life, the Godhead. And of course, Adam and Eve severed that connection. But praise God, it's been fully restored. It's been fully restored. Do you believe that? Do you believe that at the day of Pentecost, that God, Yahweh, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, He revealed His passionate desire for you. Jesus displayed His desire by laying down His life, a ransom for many, so that He could bring many into redemption. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, came to be a deposit in us to empower us to live the life that God created us to live. How many of you know that because of Pentecost, we have everything we need pertaining to life and godliness? How much is everything? Everything. And it's a court, it says this, we have everything we need, this is 2 Peter 1, we have everything we need according to life and godliness, according to our knowledge of him. So our experience of the life of God and the godliness of God that he has for us is directly connected to our knowledge of him. That word knowledge is not just head knowledge. That word knowledge is experiential knowledge. I mean, there's a difference between knowing and knowing. Come on. Anybody anybody tracking with me here? There's a difference between Knowing the truth and experiencing the truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and what will happen? It'll set you free when you know it. And that doesn't mean just being able to articulate it in your head. That's, that's a good start. Like, we have to start there. But the knowing comes from deep intimacy and fellowship with him. That's what we're called to. And sadly, we leave so much on the table 
of what God has paid for. I mean, imagine this for a minute. Imagine you work your entire life, blood, sweat, tears, sacrifice, loss, victory, all of that, and you build up this inheritance for your children and your children's children. It's a, Bible, Proverbs says it's a good thing to leave an inheritance. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children and children's children. And I believe an inheritance is not just material things. That we can leave spiritual inheritance. Yeah. But just for this analogy, just hang with me. You build up this inheritance for your kids. Your life's work. Your heart, everything in it. And you, you're so excited because you want to give it to them and bless them and help them go to the next level in their calling in God. And imagine when you give them this inheritance. Say you have three or four kids. Imagine they say, yeah, that's nice, and I see that, and I appreciate that, and I agree with that. But I'm never going to go take any money out of the bank and, uh, and utilize this inheritance. I'm not going to lay hold of the inheritance and apply it to my life to take me to the next level. I'm just going to acknowledge that you accomplished it. Thank you for it, but never lay hold of what he, what he paid for. You see where I'm going? How often do we, do I, not lay hold of this glorious inheritance that we've been given? This glorious gift that we've been given that's far more than a gift. He's a person and he's God. Like, do we understand? That's what I've, I've been saying this to myself for like the past week and a half. Like, you're God and you're in me. I have no idea. And I've experienced some amazing, awesome, powerful things that I can't explain, you know, with natural reasoning. You know, we've seen the Lord move in awesome ways. But I have no idea. The little bit I've tasted of still only scratches the surface of the glory of God that's been put in us and that will be revealed in us one day. Do you know that the Spirit of God living in you is actually going to resurrect your body and give you a glorified body? When's the last time you heard that preached? Like, for real, like, we need to hear about, do you realize we're going to be glorified like Jesus? Oh, come on now. I felt a little check on that one. Who do you think we're supposed to be conformed? Whose image are we being conformed into? We should not be ashamed to say, I'm going to walk like Jesus. I'm going to be like Jesus. Because that's what the Spirit in you is yearning over. He is yearning to see Christ formed in you. And He's given us the power to walk it out. But far too often we neglect the inheritance. Pretend like it's not even there. Or just go through the motions. Or even worse... Some have taken that inheritance and they've started fighting about it. That's another option that could happen with you leaving inheritance to. They fight over it. Oh, dad doesn't know how this should be applied. Or 
you don't know how this should be applied, or the inheritance shouldn't be, um, shouldn't be given in this way or manifested in this way. And so you're wrong, and you're wrong, and we're just going to fight and separate and not, not be in relationship anymore. And so the inheritance became a curse. My heart breaks because I feel like that's what's happened in large respect. I mean, think of this. The greatest gift that God has ever given to humanity is himself. And we either neglect it or we fight over it critical over other people who maybe choose to lay hold of that inheritance a different way than we think is appropriate. Jesus, God's heart is breaking. I want you to experience the fullness of what I came to give you. Do we realize that? Like Some of us struggle with whether God likes us. And I, I get it. But does he like you? He is crazy about you. In fact, he's so crazy about you, he wants to give you his spirit. He wants you to be one spirit with him. He wants to fully give everything he has, all that he is. He's made it available. He's, he's not holding anything back from you. Romans 8, Paul says this, if, if God gave up his only son for you, how much more will he not give you all things? We've got it in our mind like there's something better for God to offer than God. Seriously. Do we not go through our motions in our little worlds thinking we need all of this other stuff or all this other whatever it may be. And we've got God. Do we realize who we are? Do we realize whose we are? And do we realize what he's made available so that we can become like him? Do you have a vision for that? Do you have a vision for becoming like Jesus? Because one day when we see him, we will be like him. That's what John said. When we see him, we will be like him. Do you believe that? Jesus and his resurrected, glorified state, fully human, but fully God. Radiating the glory of God, the majesty of God. I mean, we see in his resurrected state, he was transporting places and walking through walls and, I mean, he even cooked some fish. <laughs> like, do heavenly bodies need to eat fish? Maybe. But he's pouring revelation out for 40 days. Have we ever thought about, like, I was thinking about that as, like, wait a minute. Jesus was alive. He, he died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And then he was 40 days 
roaming around the earth teaching his disciples in a glorified, resurrected state. Do we just slow down and think about this for a second? We read these things. We're like, oh, yeah, I'm just mosey on. No, this really happened. There's a resurrected, glorified man who happens to be God, and he's roaming around Jerusalem, appearing to people and teaching about the kingdom. Who is this man? Do you realize the majesty and the beauty and the mystery of this man? It's amazing. So he's 40 days roaming around the earth, teaching people about the kingdom, mainly his disciples. I got locked out here. Let me pull it up. I haven't even looked at my notes yet, so I guess I need to. Let's see here. So I want to just take a few minutes and talk about how we lay hold or, or engage with this glorious gift that has been given to us. 2 Corinthians 13, I think it is, Paul, at the, at the end of his, that letter, that second letter to the Corinthians, Paul closes with this benediction, this blessing. I mean, you know, the the introductions and the closings of a lot of those epistles are extremely important. Like, you know, a lot of them are prayers, blessings, um, you know, glorious, even some poems about who Jesus is. I mean, it's really awesome. They're important. But Paul closes with this. He says, now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, so say the love of the Father, that could be the, the Son, the Father, and then the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So we're supposed to be engaging with the Trinity, but I want to talk about this fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, because that's the key to getting what's in Him, in us, and then out of us. All about relationship. And I tell you, I don't think God is as concerned, though He is concerned, He's not as concerned with seeing external ministry happen from you. He's not as concerned with that as He is seeing radical transformation happen on the inside of you. And if we'll give ourselves to being transformed on the inside, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, communing with the Holy Spirit, that other stuff will happen. You can't hang out with the Holy Spirit and not be motivated to minister to somebody. That's what people think. Of. So I help with a prayer ministry called the Greenville House of Prayer. Um, oh, and one shameless plug. One thing we've started is called One Prayer. How many of you have attended any of our One Prayer gatherings? All right. Did you like it? You good? <laughs> One prayer is a movement of local pastors, local churches that are coming together to build relationships and to pray for church unity in this area. We want to see the unity that Jesus prayed for in John 17 a reality. So the shameless plug is that we've got the date set for One Prayer 2022. So it's Sunday, October the 9th from 5 to 7 p.m. Mark your calendar. Sunday, October the 9th, 5 to 7. And guess where it's going to be? Right here. Come on. 
So we've had it at First Presbyterian Church, we've had it at New Spring, and then we felt like the Lord was leading us here because obviously there's a, a story of unity happening on this property, and it's only just begun. So that came up because I was talking about Jehop in the place of prayer. I've heard people say, well, you don't want to spend too much time in prayer because, you know, we're supposed to evangelize and go disciple the nations. And, you know, you don't just want to hang out in a prayer closet all the time. And my response is, you've never met the great evangelist who you're praying to. You spend enough time with Jesus, the great evangelist, and you can't help but share who he is and what he has for you. Some people say, oh, I don't want to focus on the Holy Spirit too much because I don't want to miss Jesus.